1: Hello and welcome to Broads and Books.
0: I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 87,
1: Ice Ice Baby. God, that feels weird just to say. I know. It, immediately, don't you just think of like the terrible hair fade? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mr. Vanilla Ice. Mr. Ice? Vanilla? His first name? Vanilla? Yeah. Last name? Ice. I think is how he would like to be referred to. Maybe
0: we should also talk about why we chose this atrocious okay. song. Yes. Yeah. So yeah.
1: I really wanted to go with a theme of like cringy pics, like yes. moments that are just, oh, like they give you that feeling like mm-hmm. I, am not going to stop watching, but I should. <laughs> and I want you to stop for yourself, but you're not going to. And I said, we need a really cringy song. Yeah. And Amy said, what's more cringy <laughs> than Ice Ice Baby? And I have to agree.
0: It, Yeah.
1: I mean, it's kind of, especially if
0: you're around the age that we were yes. when that came out. Like, mm-hmm. even liking the song, I think we even knew mm-hmm. this is not a good song, objectively.
1: No. no. I mean, I know all the words. I know all the words. I saw him in concert when he came to the fair a few oh, years boy. ago with the I Love 90s tour. Uh huh. And watching Vanilla Ice spray the audience with water instead of, like, champagne, you know, That's I think generally... Sad. It was an out-of-body experience i'm yeah. not gonna lie it was cringy and also sort of delightful in like yeah. a weird like the world coming full circle kind of way mm-hmm. yeah
0: you know just to be clear mm-hmm. we're talking about books and pics that we actually like but yes they yes they contain moments cringy moments of ultimate yes, cringe absolutely yes because we don't talk about books we don't like no. but these just have some really wonderful cringeworthy. Which is excellent months. writing to elicit yeah. that
1: feeling in a reader. Yes. That's some stellar writing. <laughs> so what do you think makes something cringeworthy? Nan? this is kind of hard to pin down. It is. But
0: I think there's an embarrassment factor where you're embarrassed for someone that isn't embarrassed themselves. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Like they're doing something. Yes. Extremely like not cool or like I don't know if I want to go offensive, but they're just like doing something that they should I should know they probably shouldn't do. And Mm -hmm. we're embarrassed for them, but they don't have the self-reflection enough
1: to recognize like, oh,
0: I should be embarrassed in this moment.
1: Yes. Yeah, I agree. That's perfect. I think that's a perfect way to describe it. To say, Hmm. yeah, that you, it's that innate feeling that you have, like, please stop, 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 stop. Yes. But, you know, it's not going to stop.
0: And I think of it mostly in like a lot of like sitcoms or Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. movies where we see it happening reality yes where we see the character like what are you doing why are you saying that why are you proceeding with this harebrained idea terrible and they proceed and and, i don't know about
1: you but when i'm reading these scenes sometimes in a book i'll actually i'll be like oh out loud yeah you get that like gut i have
0: to fight the tendency to just skim over it because i get like so (laughs) uncomfortable
1: yeah it feels too, like too much. Too much. Too much to go with. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that we both probably have a lot of cringy moments. Yeah. Moments maybe where we ourselves were embarrassed or yes. we didn't quite know we should be embarrassed. Yes. Or however you want to define it. Mm-hmm. What's a, a cringy moment for you from your childhood?
1: Well, I think that's why your definition was perfect because I remember which I think maybe most people do as a child, but have that like sense of infallibility. Like oh, you God, think yeah. no matter what, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And I, for whatever reason, thought that I was destined to be on stage. And so I decided oh, to try out. Oh, no. I think it was the community theater. Oh, God. Was putting on like a Sound of Music production. Aaron, no. And they had, you had to go early to the grade school because they needed younger kids in it, right? With the adults. And they were going to audition us. And I convinced my parents to take me early with literally, let's let's bear in mind, I have no musical training. And how old are you at this point? Oh, I was still in elementary school because it was at the same building. I gosh third, fourth grade, maybe. Okay, maybe eight, nine, somewhere
0: around there. Okay, But I
1: had no idea. I wasn't taking voice lessons, okay? (laughs) I don't even know that I was in piano yet. I wasn't doing anything to prepare myself. I'd never been in a show. I mean... But you thought you were destined for community center? I thought... I am a shoo-in to be one of these Von Trapp children. (laughs) Clearly, I am meant to do this because... (laughs) I don't know if you saw Sound of Music, but clearly there was a kid with glasses, and (laughs) no coordination. Yeah. That was a big part of the musical, as I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. So I went, and almost immediately, I kind of should have had the sense, like, I'm out of my depth here. Like, these people look like they prepared. I I got the sheets when I got here. I didn't think to get them ahead of time. I am not prepared for speaking or singing or dancing, but (laughs) I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it without any hesitation and i auditioned spoiler alert (laughs) i did not make my community theater debut and when i look back now i think that was so cringy but at the same moment
0: i almost want to hug your younger self Mm -hmm. for having the self-confidence to be like i am a freaking star Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna show everyone Even if there was nothing backing it up, you had some confidence.
1: Okay, I can give that. But I do think (laughs) it brings up another point of cringeworthy moments, too, is that I do think there's that flicker of recognition in yourself where you go, this isn't right, but I'm too far in. I'm just going to do it. I'm I'm going to put two feet forward. Because I imagine that that, in a lot of situations – the characters maybe sometimes they realize after the fact or you see that in reality tv like it flickers on their face like they know they shouldn't be doing this but they just you're too far in you're too far in
0: and you that's a great point because that look of recognition like if we see that on a show or something I'm like oh god oh god oh god abort and I need to get out of here I can't witness this yes yeah,
1: yeah you get sweaty and I get like oh. do you remember
0: like being on stage and thinking like did you ever have a moment of like oh no
1: yeah I mean it was like right before and, oh, and no. to be clear the audition wasn't even it was like in the elementary school music room because it was just <laughs> for that but there was adults there that were auditioning because oh. they auditioning the children that they wanted obviously to work with when I look back, I also think now with my lens there's a little bit of cringe for those adults like yeah you were taking it so serious so serious that you went to the elementary school and were having them audition for this sound of music
0: that's Production. a good point. Let's put the cringe on them. Yeah. You were eight or nine years old with some damn confidence. Yes. And these adults.
1: Nothing in my life yet had told me that <laughs> you need to be more aware of your skills before you do things. See, I
0: like to think that you were just beaten down by the world. But oh. before that, you oh. had this moment where you're like, no, I, mean, I am a bright shite,
1: bright sh- shooting star. star. I'm a something <laughs> star and I'm doing this. I know. I don't know what I imagined or how I imagined it going, but I know that I went with no prep. I didn't even think about prepping. I was just like, show up and here I am.
0: You know, this is a theme because I remember <laughs> when you said you challenged a boy to a race Oh yeah, to prove that <laughs> women, Yes. Moment. where you were just like, I don't need to prep. It's fine. And you just show up and you're like, oh no, this was a bad decision.
1: There is a theme in my life Yeah. Of that. Or I'm <laughs> shooting baskets in gym for no reason and I get in a free throw contest with no preparation (laughs) didn't even know I was entering in a contest when I was shooting the original baskets
0: see I like to think too you've learned from that because now you over prepare yeah we both do do. we are very very like you know checklists and everything and maybe it's because we had those moments of like oh no Mm -hmm.
1: I will say I and it's a part of myself that I'm okay with now there is a part of me that sometimes uses, like, I'll boost myself up with confidence that I don't think I actually have just to, like, get through. Like, I can do this. It's fine. I got this. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. I can do this. For sure. I can for sure do this. And I, even though in the back of my head, like, the... The owl with the glasses that's mm-hmm. like wise is like, oh, no, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, nope.
0: <laughs> is that the same owl that did the Tootsie Pops? Well, yeah. That's okay. the wise old owl. How yeah. many
1: licks? And he's <laughs> like, how many times, Aaron? <laughs> how many times? <laughs> you should learn nothing from Tootsie Pops, Aaron? <laughs> you don't know anything. You are ill-pro-
0: Paired. I like having like the voice of an a uh, wise owl mm-hmm. in our heads.
1: Well, I don't. I don't like the angel demon thing. No. The shoulder thing. No, Ooh. mine's just a wise old owl. I'm wise old owl. Sometimes I listen. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, but he stays at the same volume, <laughs> and he doesn't interject. <laughs> he just says, "Look, I'm just going to tell you this. Not your and best you
0: move. Do what you will with it. Yeah, it's
1: not going to end well. But yeah, I'm here. So Does and I'm a wise, wise owl- old owl." <laughs> that wise old owl have a
0: name like he needs a name or maybe he doesn't need a name maybe he's just unnameable he's just the owl I think he's
1: just like a force like just like a presence he's just the wise old owl presence you know it's funny
0: that you you have an owl in your head because I have an owl in my yard (laughs) like in the last week (laughs) did Did he get out of my head (laughs) did. (laughs) at night I've been hearing owl hoots and I'm like I have a legit owl out there I don't own the owl. I'm not feeding the owl. Just okay. so we're clear. Okay,
1: I, That was my nope, follow-up nope, question. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Okay. The owl is okay. being
0: an owl. The owl, owl is doing his thing. if I came in someday and,
1: and you have the full leather glove on <laughs> in your house and you have an owl on your arm.
0: I mean, that's going to be amazing if I do.
1: It's going to be time for a break. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I'm gonna to have to go on a hiatus for a little bit, because Amy needs a mental health.
0: Because rehab as much as visit. my wise old owl, they're
1: also super mean. So they are. I would well, worry vicious. about you. Yeah. If you had the big glove and we're just walking around with an owl, I, mean, I think you need. You would have to have the leather face thing too. <laughs> they would have to have full body armor. Oh wait, do they put that leather thing on the owl? Don't they? So the owl can't see. Yes, they do. But
0: I would need one too. I need one too. How is that helpful? Can't see the owl coming. No, I'm picturing like medieval armor just
1: all over. <laughs> I went with the owl hat on you, accidentally. <laughs> what? Now you can't even see me, for your eyes see. are going to be pecked out.
0: <laughs> Which I guess maybe is better. I don't know. Maybe what I'm actually hearing is my own internal owl that is yes. is, is like saying like, oh, you've been ignoring me too long, so I'm going to pretend to be an outside owl and really
1: <laughs> that could be maybe your inside owl is very complex and maybe. knows that it needs to trick you yeah maybe wow. my inside owl is just lazy <laughs> he's just in there and he's like listen you don't need to do that and yeah. then he just goes back to sleep this is a gig i got her i've been doing this a long time and she doesn't listen so <laughs> yeah do you think we all have inside owls i think yeah. so i think mine's just drinking my ties and saying what ifs <laughs>
0: I was taking a break. When Bachelor all? in Paradise start? Yeah. I don't really want to be watching
1: this lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Boy. So that was what—what what, something that happened when I was younger. Yeah. That was very cringy. Yeah. Was there something when you were younger that you thought was like the bee's knees that now is like cringeworthy? You look back and go, I don't know.
0: Oh yeah, I took this question as like a who? Oh, and I immediately thought of Kurt Cameron <laughs> because. <laughs> He was oh, yes. he was the bee's knees yes. in the 80s mm-hmm. gracing all the Tiger Beat insides and out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now he is the epitome of cringe he went full yeah. on christian conspiracy far right loony tunes he was doing all the left behind movies for a while
1: mm-hmm.
0: anytime he's speaking on social media is a bad time it's not it's not good
1: yeah, yeah. He really took that. He in a really direction. took it bad. I don't know if anyone saw that coming. Maybe people that no. worked with him and knew him, but
0: no. His we just saw him fans. as a, exactly. We just saw him as a cute, harmless teenage boy to put our crush upon. Mm-hmm. And
1: you know what, though? What is that? Not a good life lesson. Cute, harmless teenage boy. Oh what it shit! Into. It
0: sure is. You need to
1: be more aware.
0: Yeah, you need to be aware that all of these supposedly harmless boys, there's some harm.
1: There can be things harbored in there.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. there can be crazy. Mm-hmm. Nut They're not job all like that. I'm the mom of
1: four. I don't want to put put that on everyone. <laughs> Mine are great, but just saying.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh man, fiction pick. You hit me with it. I've got a book from Patricia Lockwood. Oh. That just came out. It's called No One Is Talking About This.
1: Yes. It's on this? my list. No, but list? I'm okay. like, I've been waiting. I'm so excited.
0: This is something.
1: Is it? Okay. Um, so the premise of this is that the
0: narrator has achieved a sort of fame through social media posts okay. on something called the portal, which I think we can safely assume is Twitter, yeah. but also maybe all of the social media stuff.
1: Right. Together. Right. Okay.
0: So she's created some posts that were, you know, funny and weird and ironic, and they went viral. Mm. So now she's traveling the world, meeting her fans and speaking about social media. But that's only sort of in the background, because the book is such an interesting structure. There's little thoughts, little moments presented as you might see social media posts. Just like a short paragraph here, short paragraph here, a couple bullet points here. It's very much like, like you're reading a Twitter feed. Yeah. Really. There's like offhand thoughts. There's like, you know, strident demands for change. There's like self-promotion all together in this weird, weird feed. And the effect is, I think, as you're reading it, it's like if you're, if you might get addicted to Twitter or other social, like catching bits of overheard conversations um, or zooming into a crowd and getting like little mini hits of their conversation. It's this sort of unrelenting presence, which is really cool. It's something how she's managed to do this. And I think that the, you know, she's talking about the stuff that everyone is talking about. You know, with these little hits and stuff, is often very important. Like, there's a little paragraph about climate change. There's a little paragraph about a, a dictator. You know, yeah. But does it stand out amongst all the other thoughts? I mean, when we've got like a dog video here, and then we've got like something about oh shit, we have a dictator. Like that. You know, that right? Kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. So the narrator, she's like trying to catch the thread, and she's trying to catch like what's going on this hour, what's going on this minute, what's going on this day, and it just keeps constantly changing. And she's trying to like uh. calibrate and recalibrate, and it just seems so chaotic. But then in the midst of this virtual sort of crowd, she gets a couple texts from her mom and her mom says something is wrong and the narrator needs to come home. And the second half of the book, the narrator goes home to be with her sister who's having a baby. And the baby has proteus syndrome, which is a condition that causes an overgrowth of skin and bone. And it means the child will likely die soon after she's born. Ugh. So then we get this crazy collision of like real world, crazy emergency situation and all this, you know, real sadness and horror. And then over here in the portal where it's all this other stuff, like it's it's some of the same things, but it's sort of separate at the same time. Yeah. So I chose it for this theme because obviously social media, part of our lives. And for a certain amount of time every day, whatever we decide, um, we spend it in these virtual worlds with just people talking and talking and talking, and no one really talking to each other, just talking out into the void. Yeah, and to see it sort of laid bare like this, like the way that she does it, it just shows how strange and weird those worlds are, and it's super cringy to me. Like it just feels like as you're reading this, you're you're getting perspective, and you're just like, oh god, oh god, that person, oh god, like oh, oh so much cringe especially when we get to this point where there's like real world scary stuff happening yeah and she's every once in a while still trying to like log into the portal and she's just like i just i don't know you mm-hmm. know so i think uh all that said this is funny it's relatable it's super touching it's even sad and you leave and you feel that you this sense of like All of it, the cringe, the sad, everything. It's all life. Mm. And one thing I discovered after reading this is that a lot of the author's real life is in here. This actually happened to her sister, this uh, baby situation. And she herself had achieved a sort of fame online. And so she was sort of trying to figure out, like, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? And then suddenly this emergency situation arises. And what does that mean? So this feels very personal because it is.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, two things stood out to me. Yeah. One, I think it's a good example of another kind of definition of cringe, which is that there's, cringe happens because there's like unwritten rules that we don't clue each other in on. And social media to me is like the perfect example of that. Like there's unwritten rules, things you're not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And we all cringe when we see someone do it. Yeah. But there's not like a class that tells you don't do that. Like we just all agree that we shouldn't be tagging each other in 10 day long posts where I have to Mm -hmm. say stuff or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, you don't need to post every single meal you eat or, you know.
0: And when someone doesn't pick up on those rules and they're doing all these things,
1: it's cringe. It's so cringy. But we've never really actually discussed It's almost like it's a societal decision That no one ever speaks out And they're constantly changing These unwritten rules Yes, So yeah
0: there's so many times We could look back on a post we did Maybe three months ago And it's like oh god Why did I do that? Why did I
1: do that? Yes absolutely 100% Also I just want to say What a sucker I am for different formatted books I love stuff like this You're going to like this It reminds me a little bit of Amber Tamlin and yes. some of those other ones that we've read where it's just like weather by Jenny Offill. I was actually
0: like, as I was reading this I I was like I was remembering you talking about weather and yeah. like yeah Aaron's going to like this yeah. because of that different format the I way love she structures a it format. yeah. Yeah. And I I just love how everything that she does is sort of building to this sense that you get if you've been like you know scrolling the Twitter feed for a half hour or something where you just kind of like you, you emerge out of it almost like from a cloud or something yes. like oh. Oh, I have a body. Yeah. Like I have a body and I got to go pee and I yeah. got to go eat and I got to do these things.
1: Or, I don't know about you, but sometimes I like I get wrapped up in something that I didn't even know existed prior yes. to opening Twitter. Like, yeah. I'm like, wait, what? What's happening? What's this fight about? Yeah, like, and what's... then I go into a deep dive and I'm like, I don't even know these people. Why did I spend 20 minutes figuring this out? Yes. And you get this sort of sense of like, oh, people are angry about something. What do I have to be angry about? I got to get angry and I yeah. don't quite know about what. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? what? No. Yeah.
0: This is weird. This is weird
1: behavior. It is. Yeah. I honestly, I mean, no judgment truly, but I I don't know how certain people can spend so much time or tweet as much as they do Mm -hmm. or get involved as much as they do. I I do not have the cognitive space Mm -mm. for it. I just get, I get burnt out so fast. For sure. So fast. Yeah.
0: I have to, you know, for a while, I think I was. Over, I think it was maybe around the early days of the pandemic, and then when the Black Lives Matter protests were start- like, I was addicted yeah. and I was looking at social a lot more often. And I had to sort of make a conscious decision of, like, this is this is a lot, this is making my heart
1: race every freaking time I open this. Like, I gotta stop. And I almost had the opposite reaction when something really big is going on, like society whole, like Black Lives Matter, the yeah. pandemic, things like that. I get, I get. Like I want to shut it out because I don't want to see a bunch of stuff that is going to make me mad. And so I just sort of like, no, I'm not dealing with any of that. I'm not going to let any of that in because I'm just going to go to like a horrific, pessimistic, nothing's ever going to be good again place. Which is
0: a a good like preservation, you know, method. That's the owl inside telling you like, hey, it is. Hey, But
1: also it's probably a skill I need to sharpen a little bit more Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to see some of that and explain to myself why that's not a problem you yeah. know like just shutting down in the face of things i don't like isn't necessarily a great skill either but, no
0: no yeah but i know you gotta balance it yeah. you know the yeah. owl's trying to tell you like
1: he's trying he's that's trying. when he's throwing the leather helmet over me and be like nope, no 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 not it. today not
0: today she cannot handle any nope. more I'm sensory looking stuff at a
1: reservoir and it's dangerously low so no nope, leather hat she needs some tootsie pops to yeah. get to uh, and then i'm just oh all right i'm out well uh this week for fiction Book I just read recently. It was published in March of 2020, mm. so high pandemic release. Oh, my. Yeah. Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Roble. Ooh. Yes. And a um, little bit about the author. She lived in Chicago, but has lived in the UK for the last few years with her husband and her dog. Wait for it. His name is Moose Barkwinkle. Oh, oh OK. Mm-hmm.
0: Moose Bar uh-huh. I just included I just letting that because it, I needed to hear that. Yeah, that's I why you, you included it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I also think I saw a little kinship with this author with you because she used to write ad copy for several ad agencies. Oh
0: boy, I've written a lot of ad copy in my days. I know. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: So this book, I have to tell you, just grabbed me from the beginning and like held on to me like a mom taking her kid to the bathroom in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just not gonna let me go. I'm not Again, getting away. You're not
0: seeing this, but she's got a death grip I on her a death hand. Death grip the hand,
1: you know, in the yeah. shoulders, like above the body, uh-huh, and they're uh-huh. like kind of walking, but not really. That's what this book did. Okay, so it might seem a little familiar at first. Um, a few episodes ago, I recommended "Mommy Dead and Dearest," yeah, which was the story of Gypsy Rose, which you might know just from you know it being around. But Gypsy Rose was like in her 20s, and everybody thought she was like 15, and her mom had basically basically convinced everyone that she was sick.
0: Is this the Munchausen? Yeah, by- munchausen yeah, by proxy uh-huh. for
1: years and shaved her head and did all these things. And it turns out she was perfectly fine. Oh now, God. obviously, there's a huge level of emotional and mental abuse, so fine is kind of relative. Yeah. But that's how this story starts. So we meet Rose Gold Watts. And she believed for the first 18 years of her life that she was deathly ill and could not have a normal childhood because of it. Her mom told her that her dad died of a drug overdose. It's always just been her and her mom. It seemed like every time something good was about to happen, an illness, a disease, she'd get sick. And the doctors could never quite figure it out. So her mom was always taking her to a different doctor because she's like, we got to figure out what's going on with you. And that all seemed normal to you. But when the to her, excuse me, when the book opens up, we find out that her mother, Patty Watts, is soon to be released from jail because when Rose Gold turned 18, 19, she realized that something wasn't right. And she ended up going to the authorities and her mom got five years in jail for child endangerment. Oh boy. And fraud. So to everyone's surprise, when Patty's released, Rose Gold takes her in and says, You can live with me just getting out of jail. Rose Gold, he's now 23 and has been on her own for five years. So real quick in, as the reader... You have no idea who's scamming who or who's telling the truth or what exactly is going on. Because we see it goes back and forth from present day Rose Gold and Patty living together to back to childhood, back to Rose Gold in the five years she was on her own and how she had to kind of relearn everything she thought she knew about the world and how naive she was about things and how she did learn all of those things. I I picked it for this because there were so many times in this book that I went, oh, oh, Oh. because as she was trying to (laughs) assimilate to the world around her. She didn't know. She was just making so many faux pas because no one ever taught her. One in particular, she finds out that her dad is, in fact, not dead, that he didn't die of a drug overdose, that the mom basically just cut him out and didn't tell where he was, but he had been paying child support this whole time. So he finds her because, of course, this is national news when she Mm -hmm. gets put in jail. And her trying to relate to her dad, and her dad has a family of young children and a wife. There were so many cringy moments oh, God. because she's supposed to be an adult with the capacity to understand things, but she isn't really. Yeah, and so some of the stuff that she says or kind of the games she plays to like get affection, so cringy, but really page turning at oh, the same time. Man, so. I'm telling you what this book takes you in a million different directions you have no idea where it's going I didn't the ending was blew my mind and I'm here for it. I would read everything by her. It was so good. And, I, you know, I at first I was like, okay, this is very familiar. This sounds like mm-hmm. it's following. And then it just went a whole new direction. Ooh. And I loved every second of it. Wow. Really good.
0: So even though there were some majorly cringy moments that kept so you turning cringy. pages, like,
1: how does she do that? Yeah. It's amazing because you're like, oh, my gosh. But then you also have to know, how does the person yeah. respond to that? Or how does she come back from that? Or, you know. Yeah. It was it's really good, and she does an amazing job of getting in both of these characters' heads because mm-hmm. you're very much in Rose gold's head and Patty like you're getting their viewpoints back and forth, and being able to write those two very different characters it's very well done, very interesting, like I said, it was propulsive and i yeah. I could not put it down. it was so goat you know
0: that's one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is that I don't think before we we're doing this. I would have thought of it in this way that mm-hmm. books, you know, the, the cringe factor in books right. and how that helps you turn pages or that we could have developed an entire episode where we're talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. But I love that we can just focus in on little bits. Yes. Of what makes book what what makes
1: books amazing. Yes. Was your owl getting ahead of you? My owl's <laughs> getting ahead of me. My owl was <laughs> Putting the blinders on. It was. And too early and I got confused. You had a good point. Settle down, <laughs> Owl. I agree. And I love that there's so many times that there's books that I've never heard of that you bring up, or books that we've both heard of that Same. one of us read and said, Yeah, 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 you need to.
0: Same. Yeah. Like before um you know just thinking about uh, who's coming to the book fest like tara jenkins reed i'd never heard of her before you brought seven husbands of evelyn hugo and then suddenly i was like oh first off she's everywhere i don't know why i hadn't heard of her
1: well, she wasn't and so prior to yeah that. that's true yeah. yeah
0: yeah that was relatively new but yeah yeah you've turned me on to so many people that i never had read before yeah and yeah. same vice versa yeah. yeah
1: so many good things
0: of course it makes our reading piles dangerous and difficult. It does. It
1: makes it very difficult. And
0: while I'm reading, sometimes my owl is like, are you really enjoying this? Because if you're not, cut it loose. I know.
1: We've talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to re-adapt that skill because it wasn't a skill I had. And then I developed it and then I felt like it was getting out of control. And so then I was like, okay, are you not enjoying this or are you not enjoying this right now? Is this just not meeting you where you are? Yes. Because we've talked about that. Like we have a huge TBR pile. Sometimes the book that I just bought is not the book that I read Mm -hmm. next. I need, I want something else. Or I'm like, oh, you know what? This is the perfect time to read X, Y, or Z. And that's okay, too.
0: And that's what I love about (laughs) all the holds at the library. Because by the time they come to me, sometimes I'm not really interested anymore. But sometimes there's something where I wasn't quite sure, and it's hitting me good right at that moment. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Agreed. Absolutely. I agree. The same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, no, I'm I'm past that now.
0: So moral of the story is this podcast is great. It's
1: personally so (laughs) fulfilling. (laughs) And it's just icing that we have listeners. (laughs)
0: I mean, again, we've been preparing this for this our whole lives. Our whole lives. It makes reading um, even more enjoyable, knowing we get to talk about it to you listeners.
1: So take that, director, Sound of Music. <laughs> I found my own stage and my own voice. I wasn't ready at age eight, but I'm ready now. You know what? I didn't want to be a Von Trap. <laughs> wanted to be my own Von Trap. <laughs>
0: I don't know how to segue from the Von Traps to this book, so I'm just going to make a hard, hard turn. Hard turn. And go to other genre books. Yes. And the book that I picked is called Mediocre, The Dangerous Legacy of White Male America. Oh,
1: I remember when you were reading this. Oh, boy.
0: This is from Ijama Oluo. This came out last year in 2020. And... I learned while I was sort of reminding myself this week about this book, like Mm -hmm. where this came from. I read an article where I found out like where this Mm -hmm. idea came from. When Ijama was at a writing retreat with other women, um, they, you know, they did their work during the day and then they gathered together every night to talk about their work. And they found themselves talking a lot about men. And here's a quote that she says. We talked about the white men in publishing who are constantly devaluing our work. Mm. We talked about the male writers who would grab your ass at book fairs or offer to give you feedback on your work and then try to sleep with you. We talked about how much time we had spent writing about shitty white dudes. Mm. Because if we weren't writing about the president, we were writing about how men without uteruses should not control our reproductive choices or about how rapists should actually go to jail for rape, even if they were gifted athletes. First off, hell of a paragraph. Yeah. And it's so accurate, because I like immediately placed myself anytime you and I are getting together, anytime we talk to really anybody, there's always some story about a shitty white dude, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, there is,
0: yeah, so in the years since Trump was elected, Ijama saw you know this this sort of trend, you know mm-hmm. they were always talking about this, coupled with this sort of growth in white male rage, you know, mm-hmm. all these new. And riots and online and everything. So she wrote this book, which digs into some of our central, like American stories, and how a lot of times they're all bluster, they're all lies, hiding some pretty mediocre men, mm-hmm. and how that's a legacy that's still with us today. And that mediocrity turns into systems that men then protect. Mm-hmm. So here's some examples William Buffalo Bill Cody. He, We may sort of vaguely remember him as like a showman from yeah. the 1800s, right? He made a whole reputation for himself as a, sh- as a soldier and like this righteous man. He actually was just an asshole who was hunting indigenous people for sport and killing a lot of buffaloes. And he turned this into a whole thing about how he was this decorated war hero, blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. In modern times, there's Bernie bros. The men who proclaim, you know, their liberal sort of cred Mm -hmm. and they're talking over and physically silencing other women, other Mm -hmm. people of color. There's the story of leadership at Yahoo, where, and this is one like many other stories that Ijama sort of noticed, where failing corporations hand the reins to a woman so they can sort of be like, look, look at us. Look at, we did this. Mm. But it's right before the company falls. And then they can then blame the woman after that. Which after she put that out, I said, uh. like, oh my God,
1: that happens all the time. That's right. Oh. And yeah. think about the decision that that woman has to make. Like this is a yes. great, technically on the face, a great this opportunity. Awesome. You want to take it as advancement, but you also know, like you I'm know. being set up. Yeah.
0: And like, she gets into it, like, some of these people, like, for sure, they had to balance that. Like, do I do this and maybe take the blame for this? Uh, but I'm also sort of shattering a glass ceiling and, like, yeah. There's uh, her own shattering story. Shattering a glass
1: ceiling and then getting blamed for making a mess. Ex- That's what's happening. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you shattered it and then I cut my foot and now I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's
0: also a own story where she talks about race and gender online, and she has been doxxed and swatted. And if I remember oh right, doxxed is where they publish your very personal information mm-hmm. online. Swatted is when they actually send a police SWAT unit to your house on the claim of some violence being uh, right. gone. Also, she has just email folders full of hate mail that she's labeled fan mail, which oh. I think is pretty great. Yeah. So there's so many stories like this in history Mm -hmm. right now that you're going to recognize. There's stuff about like football. There's stuff about the church. Like there is a lot Mm. of really interesting things, a lot of trends you're going to recognize and understand as part of this legacy that continually protects itself and hurts everyone else in the process. Mm -hmm. And the reason I chose it for this theme is I think so many white men are just straight up cringe and there's not a lot that they're doing to to dissuade that. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I say that because we are obviously women. We have you know, heard stories of women of color or any person that's not a white, straight male mm-hmm. with stories like this, mm-hmm. where they're coming up against this you know, just straight up mediocrity that is being protected, mm-hmm. where we're having to fight harder to get into the same spaces or to get the same right. recognition or all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. For
1: sure. I, Um,
0: We see a lot of dudes with bluster that's not hiding a lot of talent, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're in power. And what I like about this book in particular is it's showing the pattern as part of other things we've been talking about, like white supremacy, systemic sexism, rape culture. And Ijama has a quote about, what she wanted this book to be for. And she says, I want everyone who reads this book to see that we aren't just talking about a few bad dudes. We're talking about deliberately constructed identities and systems of power. Mm -hmm. And I I really enjoyed that, you know, this was all sort of tied into those bigger systems while giving us plenty of cringeworthy moments Mm -hmm. where we read it and think, ugh, you're the worst. And ugh, I know so many dudes like that. Yeah. I mean, not so much anymore. I don't hang out with a lot of straight white dudes. Right, yeah. But, you know, worked with a lot of them yeah. in the past. So, terrific book. Plenty of uh,
1: historical and current cringe. Yes.
0: That helps you realize kind of why we're
1: in the mess that we're in. And what a very true definition of cringe. Yeah. But, the thing,
0: yeah, the thing about the... Um, the women leaders in particular, that stuck with me Mm -hmm. because I hadn't thought about that as a pattern necessarily until she started pointing it out. That's, yeah, yeah. that's Mm.
1: awful. I mean, you're right. I hadn't thought of that either. And then when you think about it and you think about what a problem that had to be for them to decide and how unfair it is to make that the way that you, you know, earn your promotion. Yeah. Also, I just love that she named it mediocre. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great (laughs) word for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, my uh, other genre pick this week is a collection of short stories that was just published in September of 2020 um by Desha Philia called The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. Ooh. Um and like I said collection of short stories. One thing I wanted to say about this author, um I kind of I didn't know much about her so I did some reading prior after I read the book and knew that I was going to recommend it. Um her writing on race, gender, culture and parenting have appeared in McSweeney's, the Washington Post, New York Times, like All the big ones. Yeah. Obviously good reason because she and her ex-husband wrote this book together. Co-Parenting 101, Helping Your Kids Thrive in Two Households After Divorce. Wow. Like to be able to write that with your ex-husband. Holy shit. Like Automatically, I think she must be amazing. Yeah. So this is a collection of short stories dealing with black women and particularly black women in the church. So the stories all have different formats, different points of view. Sometimes there's some common characters that pull through but it's really a lot about the secrets that we keep from others and from ourselves and how much we're willing to put on the line sometimes for religion or the idea of Christianity mm. or the idea of the appearance of what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So a few of my favorites, there's one called dear sister, which is formatted like a letter to a sister from a sister that she doesn't know she has because their dad has died. Oh. And so it's kind of outing this hole and giving them the background of the family and, it flows like a letter, but it's also so full of information. Very cool. Um, another one is uh, there's a grandmother raising her granddaughter, and the voice of the granddaughter is portrayed through the grandma reading her diary, finding her uh, diary oh. in her room and reading it, which is huge violation. <laughs> oh,
0: but that's a big cringe right but, there. Yeah, So cringy. Oh.
1: Um, but my all-time favorite in the book is the short story called Instructions for Married Christian Husbands. And the female narrator lays out the rules in a very organized and succinct manner for entering into an affair with her. (laughs) And she has some rules and some things that are going to happen and some things that are not going to happen. And it is cringy at some points and amazing. amazing. It's so amazing. And so I picked it for this theme because... There's, like like we pointed out already, some very cringy moments, which I think I decided as I was doing some of this prep, happens when there's a certain level of vulnerability. Ooh. When someone's putting themselves... I think that's why we always feel cringy for someone else, because yes. we know that there's a certain level of confidence that you had to take to do whatever we're watching. Oh, man, that's a good point. And we're realizing, yeah. oh... Maybe you shouldn't have had that conversation. Yeah, you overshot right yeah. there. Yeah, or this yeah. was maybe not the time to be vulnerable. Yes. So Ooh, That's such a great way of putting it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And maybe that's why we feel such cringe because we're understanding their vulnerability. like Because yes. we've been vulnerable so many times. We're like,
1: oh, oh God, I know what's going to happen. And, yeah, because yeah. we sense that there's an actual hurt that's going to yes. happen there because Ugh. of that. And I think that that happens, especially with people who are new to it. Like as you're... If you're not used to being vulnerable, if you're not used to sharing emotions, that sometimes that stuff comes out in a weird, awkward, cringy way. It doesn't always come out in the nice package that we expect. Um, And I particularly when I was thinking about this, there was one story in here called Peach Cobbler. And there's this really raw conversation with mother and daughter. And they're both have amazing perspective and really good points, but they're just not communicating effectively with Mm -hmm. each other. But as a sort of outside observer, you can see what's happening. You can see what they're trying to say. It's just not there yet. Mm -hmm. And it's cringy because you want it to be better for them. And you know that their relationship could benefit from it being better, but you also know that neither of them are in a place to do that. Yeah. So it's cringy. You get that cringy feeling, but you also know, okay, you know, there's maybe it could work out. They, they'll get better at it, and it'll get better. But <laughs> I, it was really good. I enjoyed it. It's kind, it's shorter, so mm-hmm. you can get through it really quickly. But I thought it was great.
0: That's awesome. And that reminds me, like you saying the the last story about conversation and dialogue, and that being a sort of cringe thing on its own. Mm-hmm. I, I. I have such memories of reading or seeing conversations and dialogue where there is such cringe because you're like, oh, that's the w- exact worst thing to say in this moment. Yes. But then also placing myself there and remembering times where I've had vulnerability and I don't like it and I feel s- I say something real stupid. Yes. And it's like, oh, God. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cringy sometimes because you're just trying to close off yes. instead of just, you know, following the moment through. So... Cringy can come out of shame and embarrassment, but it can also come out of fear of being rejected. Yeah, like I'm, I'm vulnerable here, and that's uncomfortable. So I'm going to reject you before you reject me.
0: Mm-hmm. I was also thinking. Then there's just straight up like oblivious uh, cringe. Well, yeah. where do you remember the SNL with Regina King? And there was a sketch where she was like on a dating show. Yes. And it was like, who's the cringiest? Like she yeah. was turned on by cringe. And so yes. these three dudes then exhibited this amazing cringe. Yeah. And it just it was so bad. Well,
1: and their personalities so could have been right out of your second pick. Yes. Mediocre. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was a great one. I loved that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very true.
0: Well, thinking about um, you know. Conversations and, and especially those around vulnerability. Um, I think that's where my pop, my pop culture pick comes in. And it's a show from
1: HBO Max, Aaron. What? Came out last
0: year before we knew what HBO Max okay. really okay. was. So before uh-huh. we became evangelical about HBO Max. The show is called Love Life. It has Anna Kendrick. Yeah. And she plays a woman named Darby. And we follow her for almost 10 years as she enters the real world out of college. And Darby, you know, she's an adult now. She just wants to be loved, just like most other people. Uh, You know, she has the desire, like a lot of us, wants to find the person that's going to be our person, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to support us and love us and make us better. And again, that's a lot to ask of a person. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's going to find that the people that you think are the people, they're not the people kind of thing. She doesn't have the owl really telling her the right things. She hasn't
1: honed the owl, trained it well yet. Yeah, -hmm. Yeah.
0: in real life, it's real hard to find such a person and to learn from and recognize mistakes that will help you find if that person is the person. Mm -hmm. So each episode is about a significant other Mm -hmm. in her life. Like, the first episode's about her first real love, which ends in part because they're young, they're right out of college, and they're seeking job opportunities that are going to take them away from each other. Um, Then there's an episode about an older man that she works with. Um, It also focuses on other key relationships in her life, like her mom and her best friend. And along the way, she's building a career in art curation from Mm. some grunt jobs in galleries to a museum to her own business. So... At first, you know, I think when I first saw this and I saw Endric, Anna Kendrick, I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty light viewing. It's yeah. going to be like, you know, pretty funny and everything. And and it is. It's funny. It's sweet. It's compelling. It's kind of like a romantic comedy set up in a way. But then it really gets into the hard work of becoming a person mm. and learning about what relationships are good and what relationships are bad. Mm. And that can be really hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) as an adult. Mm -hmm. Figuring out what you want, figuring out what you don't want. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming up against some of the darker forces in your own psyche Mm -hmm. and those in the people around you. I saw a lot of really familiar pain Mm -hmm. (laughs) in here, you know, from like choosing the wrong people to just learning how to be a person, along with so many cringy moments of becoming an adult. And that's why I chose it here, because I think a lot of us can look back at our 20s in particular and just ah, just cringe. Like Mm -hmm. I feel my body seizing up, like my arms just kind of go into my chest and like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. So many mistakes, so many embarrassments, so many regrets. And she has so many of them, as do some of the people around her in her life. But what I like is here, you know it's all there and as a viewer we can see some of the lessons that she's learning and we can see them coming mm-hmm. but in the midst of it you know you're just living and she's just living mm-hmm. and that's what Darby's doing just trying to make some sense out of all the cringe mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and to move forward I think it's a really satisfying watch and I, you know I got a lot more respect for Anna Kendrick I've liked her in many things but here you see her doing a lot of stuff you haven't necessarily mm. seen in other movies yeah um also good news uh, there's another season coming not about Darby it's about someone new oh and the someone new is William Jackson Harper from The Good Place oh so that should be kind of interesting yeah to see where that goes so almost uh, it kind of sounds like it's going to be like an anthology series you oh, know cool. with like new characters going forward but, I like that yeah
1: ooh okay I've seen that a couple times and I haven't dived in but I will go for it which I know is shocking because it's on HBO Max
0: well there's just so much on HBO <laughs> Max Aaron. I know I know. Why don't you get in all your messaging here that you want to, you know, get paid for?
1: I I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I mean, I think that I have clearly and concisely and succinctly explained how in love I am with HBO Max. And And either you want this or you don't. And I (laughs) think continuing to chase you is starting to get cringy, HBO Max. And I need you to give me some sign because the owl's about to... Pull the curtain on this. Yeah,
0: the Owl's about to be like, stick a Tootsie Pop in that and yeah, stop we're it. Done yeah. talking about it. Yeah,
1: we're not, but it is what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually picked something this week from Netflix. What so I know is the love affair over. No, okay, no, I'm just trying to pretend that it's you know. <laughs> taking a back seat okay uh this is called how to fix a drug scandal whoa yes and this is a four part documentary on netflix by aaron lee carr who is the who produced the mommy dead and dearest among others she's kind of an up-and-coming documentary filmmaker but has a lot of accolades and for good reason so this details the story of massachusetts who in a very short time was rocked by two separate drug lab scandals so a drug lab it I wasn't familiar with this entirely. So when someone's arrested and has possession of whatever drugs that are illegal, those drugs have to be sent to a drug lab with a certified chemist to test and make sure that they are in fact an illegal substance, because obviously they couldn't make a possession charge stick if it was baking soda or, you know, something else. Yeah. Even if, even if they've admitted that it was illegal substance, they still need to verify that it was, um, So and I didn't realize that that Mm. this is a job that people have, but in Massachusetts they had two scandals. One in this lab, they have a chemist who's addicted to drugs. Oh, oh. and so that's going to
0: color your view.
1: Performing her job while high, and then ends up getting caught because she's stealing yep. the drugs and I mean, replacing they're them just
0: there. with
1: fake drugs, Oh, which is a problem because now the evidence bags are messed up, right? Because oh now in cases where she said that there was illegal substances, which they're by her test there were, now whether or not that can be verified because she was high, but now when they <laughs> oh go back, they're God. not positive because she took the drugs out. Okay. The other has a chemist who's just addicted to success, is like, I'm going to be the best at this. And so basically just forged a whole bunch. She was doing like oh four times the work of any other chemist. Why does it have to be women? Come yeah, on, man. Yeah. So Sonia Farrakh is the one that was addicted, and Annie Dukan was the one that was just forging things. But essentially both left thousands of people's cases and futures up in the oh air. Oh, my God. Because you have people that were either sentenced based on these things especially in Annie Ducan's case where they weren't even tested. Now, (sighs) there's a little bit of ease with her because you could go back and test it. She didn't tamper with the evidence like Sonia Farrick did. But there is so many cringy moments in this. It's kind of about like, what what does the prosecutor's office do? What does the attorney general do? How do they fix this? And they go about it in some very weird ways that you're going to be like, why was that the route that you chose? But there's some moments that really made me cringe were They gave um, Sonia, the one that was addicted to drugs, kind of a deal to be in front of a grand jury and explain everything, like how she did it, kind of with immunity, so that they could get all the information and figure out how much stuff was actually tainted. Because the attorney general tried to sell it that it was just within the last couple of months that she oh, developed no, an addiction. It wasn't. Was no, it? no. And the attorney general went as far as to hide some evidence from the defense attorney who, was trying, who had a bunch of clients who went through this lab and he was trying to figure out how bad this was, right? So he's supposed to have that evidence and he wasn't given it because basically Sonia Farrakh was addicted before she started. Oh. So the attorney general knew this was a problem because one, where's the drug testing for your employees? Two, where's the oversight for your employees? Mm-hmm. So many questions. And they found stuff in her car, like of her uh, on her own independently trying to get drug abuse help. So they found like journal type stuff in her oh, car. Oh, And her on the stand having to explain these things, just so cringy and so cringy when you think about some of these people making these decisions and thinking oh nothing's going to come of this they're never going to find this out i'll just say that it was just a couple months so many moments it's really well done the interviews are really interesting it's a really interesting look at uh The justice system, especially in terms of drug convictions and drug cases, um, they they get a little bit into sentencing and sentencing discrepancies. Like at the same time that Sonia Farrakh was sentenced, which, spoiler alert, she got 18 months. Oh, my God. There was a man whose lab was done by her, so they're not even sure it was legitimate, who got seven years for two, basically two teaspoons of heroin is what it amounted to. what I keep thinking
0: of is we know now like how, I mean, A lot of people have known this for a long time, but like how unfair drug sentencing is and add to it that incompetence and like just straight up lying. Yeah. uh, That's people's lives you're messing with.
1: The other part that was super cringy was that this Annie Dukan was also really ruining any thought that she was biased because she was very much trying to work with prosecutors like she had very good relationships which was proven by her email which is weird they're supposed to be a neutral oh, chemist no. in the lab and there's some where she was clearly trying to flirt with one of them and it was landing real weird and it was so cringy <laughs> oh God. it was just this is it's so interesting like i said it's four parts each part's like an hour you just kind of can't believe that it happened I, I didn't remember hearing anything about it. Mike said he thought that he did hear something about it. Sounds it sounds
0: vaguely familiar, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't and know they the happened within like months of each other. Oh and one God. was like in
1: kind of like East and West is how it was like the East Massachusetts area, West Massachusetts. But they were both dealing with this kind of same breakdown of their whole system.
0: Well, then you start to question like what's happening in other drug labs in other states in other areas. Like Mm -hmm. there's got to be more stories like this that we're just not aware of yet.
1: Yeah. And I I thought that too. But then you do get a little bit of a sense of almost relief because they're talking to other people and being like, why is the lab running like that? I mean, there's okay. a little bit of shock that okay. there weren't certain things in place that, okay. that there isn't, this isn't the way. And it's funny, that doesn't come up until later in one of the episodes, but in the first episode, they were showing the inside of this lab and I was like, why does it look like that? How can that even be? Like before I even knew there was a scandal, I'm like, I, why would you test anything there? That doesn't oh, God. seem so... And then later you find out, yeah, none of this was really... But you also find out that that's that state holds some responsibility. They were super underfunded, Ugh. and but then also just put upon to do all these tests all the time. They were trying to do like four times what they should have been doing with like half of the funding they should have had. And so what do you expect is going to go by the wayside, you know? Ugh. So lots of things to think about. A lot of cringy, cringy stuff. That's the epitome of cringe. So much cringe.
0: That is really destructive. You know, we talked about like cringe that just hurts you. Yeah. Or just hurts, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. That's a widespread cringe. It's a really bad cringe. So <laughs> That's much like cringe. Vanilla Ice level cringe. Right. Yeah. Which is epic cringe.
1: The most cringy thing I think about Vanilla Ice whenever I think about it <laughs> is that MTV interviewer. he's like, mine goes dun, 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 dun. This dun. is the
0: one where he's trying to differentiate his song, from. which he ripped off from Queen mm-hmm. and Bowie. And yeah. his
1: argument is dun, 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 dun. Yeah, nobody. Which means nothing. No, it means it's not, no. It's, it's <laughs> just nonsense words. It's not actually a defense. It's just you sort of humming. And was he trying
0: to defend? Like, was he getting hit with fines? Is that why?
1: I, I don't remember. I, think I don't so. either. I, I, at First, I think it was just people were saying like you ripped this off, and yeah. he was coming out. Because then I think after that it just went straight into he wasn't saying anything anymore.
0: Yeah. Could
1: probably because his PR team was like, like please, shut it down. Stop it. Do not do dun 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 dunce <laughs> We talked about this. That is not a defense. You can't just go dun dun it doesn't work
0: <laughs> and also you're not at queen and bowie levels, so just you know slow it down just like just stop it
1: pump the brakes yeah pump the brakes Ugh. drop the mic like a vandal
0: <laughs> pump the brakes all right stop and collaborate and listen and I obviously you weren't collaborating no
1: you weren't you were just taking and you were listening. just taking
0: Oh boy, do really? you think the youths even know
1: that song? I know Evan does, because I he? played it for him. Oh boy, mm-hmm. what did
0: Evan, you 14, 13, 14-year-old... 14
1: it was a while ago that I played it for oh. him, and I introduced him to it, and he was nonplussed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, that's the right reaction. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's valid. Yeah. yeah, he's got good <laughs>
1: instincts, I think. That was a test you passed. <laughs> I mean, I sang the whole thing in the car, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, boy. Um, I would like to admit that I did something that was super cringy as a ride or die today. What was it? Which is something I meant to do at the beginning. What? And now I have to do it now because I'm so cringy. Your book is out for pre-order, and I didn't say a word at the beginning of this episode. I was so excited to talk about cringy that I didn't even talk about that. Yeah,
0: and hopefully my book coming out is not cringy, so it's well, just no, like, Well, no, of course yeah, it's not cringy, yeah. but it's
1: out for pre-order, which means you can order it.
0: You sure can. Which means
1: you can put in Yo's Credit Card Hot digits <laughs> and know that a book is coming.
0: You're damn right it is. It's a real thing. And you know, it's a good thing you brought that up because this week... You texted me. You're like, you have a book coming out, and I was like, I don't like. I'm in a weird headspace right now. I'm not really getting it. Like, I feel weird. And you're like, if you were a mediocre man, you would be excited about this. (laughs) Like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So this week I was really channeling a mediocre man, and I'm I'm, like, I got to
1: pump this up. I'm glad. Yeah. I don't mean that. Like, that's the level you're on. No, no, no. No. (laughs) I just mean level that level of confidence. You need to be taken in. Like direct
0: messaging, you know, people on Twitter and stuff yeah
1: yeah about that yep and clearly never listening to our never show. never listening to our show just saying to, like hey
0: you mm-hmm. need to talk about my
1: book can I come on and talk about my yeah book that not that that happened uh, Maybe like a pamphlet is what I thought it looked like <laughs> but I mean what else you do you
0: maybe that shows that we're at a a, a stage mm-hmm. in our you know yeah fame mm-hmm You might call it another stage in our fame. Next week, we are at the Book Festival live. Virtual live. And, you know, as we've said before, show up in your PJs. Do it. Drink a cup of coffee. Do it. We got special announcements coming. We got all sorts of stuff. Yes. So join us. Join us. Yeah. In the meantime, happy reading. all nine episodes are available January tenth. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.